And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. New VanCast to wrap up this week in Drancer... It feels like this chaos that we have craved for, what, months now? Uh, it feels like, and, and I know that nothing has happened. And as we record this on Friday morning, we're basically 24 hours away from the roster freeze, and then protected lists have to be submitted on Saturday. So things could very well change by the time people hear the finished product here. But as we sit, it feels like chaos. Like Jim Benning sort of, he, he feels like Josh Donaldson, like he's the bringer of chaos right now. There is a ton of going on under the surface with the Vancouver Canucks, and this is the stuff that we've waited for. Now the question is, can he get this across the finish line in terms of one of these trades that uh, we have discussed ad nauseum, and it certainly sounds like uh, the Canucks have been burning up the phone lines. No question about that. There's a lot happening behind the scenes. Whether they can get something done or not, that remains to be seen. That's been the problem for this management group. Certainly was last offseason, right? Yeah. Similar... Similar vibes, right? Like there was a lot going on. There were a lot of conversations, and then, and then you know, we all know what happened. <laughs> yes. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes down. The fundamental dynamic for the next twenty four hours prior to the roster freeze, though, is that all focus, the priority is getting a guy before before the freeze from a team with an expansion crunch. And the Canucks are in on a lot of things. They were in on Ryan Graves, or, or at least kicked the tires on Ryan Graves before Graves ultimately went to the Colorado, uh, sorry, went from the Colorado Avalanche to the New Jersey Devils. Um, they have diligently tried to set up a variety of options. Um, you know, and, and I do think there's some cautious optimism that perhaps they'll be able to get something done, whether that's today or tomorrow. Uh, on this front. And that's good because this is a really important opportunity for the club to seize. We've been talking about it for a year. The club has been working on it for months, uh, even set themselves up to have additional flexibility ahead of the expansion draft with the Madison Bowie acquisition. 
Um, so this is the focus. Like the next 24 hours, that is the club's sole focus. There's other things percolating in the background. We'll get to some of that too. But the focus is making a deal. I think the club's going to... I don't want to say I think the club's going to be able to do it, but I do think they're well positioned to do it. And I do think they're working really hard on it. And now we'll just see. It's it's on Jim Benning to get it done. He's the guy working those phones. Um, can he uh, take advantage of, of a pretty unique arbitrage opportunity with his protected list over the next 24 hours? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and if nothing happens, you have now reported, uh, it's up at a piece that you have done uh, with Dolly Wall at The Athletic, that Cole Lynn will be protected. Uh, we've kicked this around, whether it be Highmore, you know, Gadjevich in the mix, uh, Zach McEwen, those are all sorts of the players, but you're reporting now that Cole Lynn will be that seventh forward protected. Yeah, a little bit of a surprise to me. I was expecting Matthew Highmore just based on how the stretch run went for this club. I thought Matthew Highmore had sort of uh, taken an opportunity and seized it and cemented himself as an everyday option for the club. I think Cole Lind, you know, is, is sort of still regarded as a project and he's waiver eligible next season, right? Like he, he may end up on waivers if he doesn't make the team out of camp. There's still issues with that first step, not quite being at an NHL level, even though you like the skill set, you like the competitiveness, you like an awful lot of what he can do, you like the shot, uh, you like the versatility that he showed in the American League. Uh, fun, fundamentally, this came down to upside, and and I think as the club considered it, um, you know, as a group over the course of the past five weeks, uh, reached the conclusion that Lind was the higher upside player, all told, four years younger, was the guy they had to protect. Lind's in the driver's seat to be the seventh forward protected as it stands today. Although that could change, of course, if the Canucks are able to execute one of the deals that they're working on. Right. And that just underscores what we've been talking about, too, that if you're using a protected slot on a guy that still has upside, but let's be honest, like I think his best game was probably his debut in Toronto. And then from there, it sort of tapered off. We didn't really see the edge uh, that he was supposed to play with. You know, he's he's got upside skill, but also, you know, there's that sort of uh, rugged element to his game being a bit of a, a shit disturber. Uh, we certainly didn't see that at the NHL level. Now, there wasn't a ton of intensity in the games that he got into uh, late in the season after COVID and everything else, but it was underwhelming. His, his short time in the NHL has been underwhelming. I'm not writing him off, and clearly the Canucks see upside there, but um, you know, it, it would have been incredible for the organization and for Cole Lind if he had seized the opportunity and just blown the doors off everybody. But again, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of that happening uh, in the late stages of uh, what was a fucked up season, so... There we go. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, we spent a lot of the last pod talking about Braden Holpe and this idea of attaching a sweetener and getting Seattle to lock in. Uh, but it sounds now, and and you've talked about this a little bit, that... Oh, boy. And, and, and this is a developing one this morning. Sorry, ask the question, but then I'm going to... I'm going to give you a response that will you. Well, just that there is interest, legit interest in Braden Holtby as a trade piece around the National Hockey League outside of uh, Simply Expansion Seattle. Yeah, well, and, and the fact that Seattle has some interest, right? And and has, uh, as we're hearing it, um, and I see Elliot Friedman heard something similar, right? Uh, reported on the 31 yep. Thoughts podcast as well. Um, Seattle has asked the Canucks if they'd be willing to retain. Now, there's a lot of things to unpack there. That could be a leverage pay play by the Kraken to try and get the Marc-Andre Fleury side deal from the Canucks, right? It could be an approach by the Kraken to get the Canucks to retain on Holtby, and then they could retain on Holtby. And all of a sudden, you're looking at Holtby for $1.15 million, right? Can you get a second-round pick from another team interested in Holtby? Holtby is a backup at that range. Um, sure, 100%, right? Like, yeah. For yep. sure, you can monetize that uh, maybe you know, in, in, a, in a significant way 
is that what the Kraken is sort of cooking at? And might that be the smartest way for them to extract value from a Canucks, you know, unprotected list that doesn't look super valuable all told, right? Uh, I mean, it's an interesting approach. So we're not exactly sure what the Kraken's angle is here beyond that they're interested in Holtby and they've asked the Canucks to retain. Um, And then Holtby has interest, additional interest. Now we wrote yet last night that it looked like there was an Eastern Conference team, a Western Conference team. And then as we asked around, we were told by sources that in fact the interest was more widespread than that, uh, that there were more fishes in the the pond than that. Um, (laughs) This morning, this morning, it's been like coming out of the woodwork to us, uh, to Dollywall and I with like additional teams sort of being lumped in. And he's addressing this on his morning show, but uh, I think when like right before we were recording, we we had a quick chat and we were up to like well over five. <laughs> so uh, the the interest in Holtby is surprising, um, and it's coming in fast, and it's going to be very interesting to see what Vancouver's opportunities look like on that front. But there's a ton of teams that have you know needs in goal and would love to add a person of Braden Holtby's caliber and a guy with that level of you know investment winner, Stanley Cup winner experience on their resume. Well, and, and for me, Seattle has options there. I mean, if they were to complete a deal like that where the Canucks retained, you know, they could turn around and pedal them right away. They could keep them. They could use them. They could play them. Totally. And, and and then, you know, at some point there'll be a team that has a goalie injury and they're looking for stability. And then, of course, you get to next year's trade deadline where he would be a rental. So, you know, it, it really it makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels if Seattle could get him with retained salary and then flip him at some point throughout the season. So that's absolutely a storyline that, uh, you know, it's not going away, and clearly we'll all be following here uh, as it unfolds. And one thing to note is Holtby is in the same boat as like an H-Mitt, right? Where it's like, the Canucks may make a deal in the next 24 hours. I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Canucks would make a deal. Not that I'm going to go out and say like they will, or, or pretend like things are so fluid, but... You know, the Canucks are aggressive and they're positioned to make a deal in the next 24 hours. And the fact of the matter is, though, though is that that deal is unlikely to be the Braden Holtby deal of any kind, right? Because they need Holtby to be on their roster when their roster freezes because they need a goaltender. Like, they need to be able to ex- – he meets their exposure requirements, right? Similarly, a Nate Schmidt deal, still something the club's working on, still something I expect to happen before the market opens on the 28th, or at least before the season begins uh, in September and October. Uh, but it's hard to trade a defenseman to a team at the moment, right? Because of how any defender that anyone adds means that there's one less defender that you can protect, right? Sure. Yep. So. You know, not not that it's impossible that the Canucks make a D for D type trade. Uh, you know, Rob Rossi out of Pittsburgh is reporting that John Marino and Marcus Patterson are unlikely to be protected by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like both of those guys would fit the bill for Vancouver very, very clearly. Um, but you know, so what, could there be a fit there? I mean, we'll wait and see. But I'm just saying, overall, it's it's unlikely for me or less likely that a Schmidt deal is the type of thing we see in the next 24 hours than that it's something we see after the expansion process has concluded. Same logic applies for Holtby, although that logic is even stronger because of the uh, protected list or the exposure requirement factor to keep in mind. All right, we're 10 minutes into this. We haven't even brought up the name Zach Hyman, Brock Besser's name being floated right. again. Uh, there's Alex Edler. So we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get into it. Uh, sort of rapid fire, I suppose, because uh, there's still so much. As we said, we've been waiting for this for months and it's all finally here uh, what are you and Rick hearing on the Alex Edler front? It's an interesting one, Jay Pat, because the club has been in more active conversation with Edler this week than they have been with Travis Hamannick. Now, the club made offers to both pending UFA veteran defensemen, two guys the organization would love to keep. But you know, there's a recognition I think that those deals have to be reasonable from a team from a team perspective, just because of where the Canucks are at in terms of their overall positioning, in terms of the quality of their bloom line all told. I just think there's a sense that if those guys get paid like, you know, mid-range or, or high-end second-pair guys, that the Canucks aren't better next year. And, and they're right. I mean, they are right. But it is a tough one because also those guys played a ton of minutes. Like, it's not like they were playing third-pair minutes where you could go to a guy who made $6 million and be like, hey, you know, Two million now, right? Like, what? Why? I played twenty-five minutes some nights, like, and that was without power play time. I'm your main penalty killer, like, I'm your main matchup guy. Like, what the fuck, right? Um, and the same goes for Hamnick. Hamnick took a sort of one-year deal, prove it deal. He proved it. He proved it. He played top four minutes for the Canucks. Played well. Played decently with Hughes. Um, so it's tough. Those are tough conversations now because there's been more active chatter on Edler. The assumption has been that there's been more progress on Edler, but I don't think that's true. I I think it's important to distinguish between discussion and progress, right? Uh, I think the Edler thing is sort of coming to a head, and and Mark Stowe on Czech TV, on on the team with Donnie and Dolly today, uh, revealing that Edler will test the market. Not a huge surprise to us based on what we were hearing last night, but not something that we were able to get um, it, it just seemed like in both cases, the conversations are tough. Like it's a tough negotiation all told with both players. Neither deal would get done before expansion anyway. Uh, but I'm not shocked at all to hear that things have gone that route with Edler. And, and the, part of the reason too, for the lack of discussion or, or the reason that Hammonick's discussions have been less active, less engaged over the course of the past week, uh, you know, is a lot of that legwork was done prior to, to the trade deadline when they, you know, had conversations about, Hamannick maybe waving or what have you, or sort of what the future looked like for a guy who had an NMC and had control over his destiny, the Canucks ultimately, I think, landed in a place where, you know, they felt comfortable with the range that Hamannick was looking for. And uh, I think there's a sense that those two sides have already felt one another out. Um, So yeah, not a ton of progress there, not a ton of discussion since the Canucks made a renewed offer this week, Uh, but that's an active situation. and, And it does look at the moment anyway, 
like a less complicated one than the way the Edler negotiation is shaping up based on Mark Stowe's comments on Czech TV this morning. But I, I think that that is a surprise to a lot of people that have covered the Canucks and followed the Canucks that at this stage, and Alex Edler will turn 36 at some point in the coming season, that at this stage, after 15 years in the only organization that he's known, you know, now he's going to shop himself after all those years of will he wave, and he didn't, and he made it abundantly clear that he only wanted to be a Vancouver Canuck. So it'll be really interesting to see what's out there on the market for him, and ultimately he may find that uh, the best fit is still back here in Vancouver. But uh, for a guy that has been incredibly loyal to the hockey club, and in turn the team's been equally loyal to him, uh, just the idea of Alex Edler hitting the open market is a little bit of a surprise. The other thing, too, is, and I don't sort of dispute anything you said about their value to the team and the way that they played. But let's be honest, if you bring back Hamannick and Edler, you're not improving. Like they're the same players that were big pieces of this team last year. And this club has to find ways to get better. So can they play for the Vancouver Canucks? Sure. I think there's still hockey left in both of those guys. But if you bring the two of them back, they were key components of a defense that wasn't good enough this past season. So how does that in any way represent improvement with two veteran guys? One's going to be 36. The other is just about to turn 31 here. Uh, they've got to find ways to improve. And so it kind of feels like settling for the status quo and the status quo won't get them to the playoffs. It just, it won't. That team finished last in the Canadian division. They've got to get better. You are correct. And, and it's why, you know, I know how we react in this market to little bits of news like this. And fair enough. I mean, Edler's been as good, you know, a, a soldier for this organization as they've ever had. Certainly the greatest defenseman in franchise history, right? But you do have to be, you do have to be, you know, you do sort of have to pick your battles as an organization. And I do think with a pair of veteran UFA guys, you know, if the club's decide, decided, and it seems that way, to, to take a bit of a hard line and demand sort of team-friendly conclusions here or team-friendly settlements here, uh, if they're going to do anything, uh, like this this was sort of the area where you had to go that route, right? Like you have to go that route with these guys and probably with your additional middle six winger, especially if you want to get like a mid-range center or a really good guy to play in your top six, a guy like Zach Hyman or Jaden Schwartz, who the club was linked to in rumors yesterday. Those rumors are good, by the way. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, there is there is some latent interest there, even though UFA pursuits are not front burner for this club, especially over the next 24 hours. You know, you, you do need to find value somewhere. I think having a couple guys with ties to either the community or Western Canada more generally uh, veteran guys, you know, if that's the sort of line in the sand the Canucks have drawn and said, these are the deals we need that are going to be team friendly. I don't think it's too hard to suggest, like, I, I think it's hard to argue with that logic, right? Like, that's not something that I'm likely to come over the top and criticize uh, management for. Uh, just just generally speaking, I, I think that pretty much pretty closely matches like what we were talking about, Jay Pat, when we looked at how the Canucks should approach negotiations with their three veteran UFAs uh, back in May. Yeah, and look, I've got time. I said, if, if Edler and Hamannick were back and I knew that they were being bumped down the lineup because they were being replaced by better players above them to help the hockey club, that's fine. But I just fear if Alex Edler is back in any way, uh, we saw how heavily Travis Green leaned on him in those situations, penalty killing and, and just minute munching. You know, yeah. what's going to change just because he's a year older? Uh, if he's in uniform and he's available to Travis Green, I just get the feeling that 
you know, it's going to be more of the same. It's wild too oh. to me. It's wild to me to think that you know, a month into not even a month, a couple of weeks into their jobs as senior advisors, you know, the twins are back in the fold, and this is the summer that Alex Edler, their, their buddy, is, is going to walk away uh, from this hockey club. So tons of moving parts there. Uh, you mentioned Hyman. Let's get into that because uh, there was a ton of chatter in the social world yesterday. And, uh, you know, it, it, the Leafs have given his camp this green light to go and talk to other teams. There was a report out there that, you know, the max length, eight years and five mil, wasn't going to get it done in Toronto. And so that sort of sets the bar Again, we look at the Canucks cap structure and you think, how? How in the world could they beat that kind of deal? Like, where is the money? Where is the space? And yet, I mean, Zach Hyman's a, a nice hockey player. Like, this is a guy really? that versatile, uh, really good penalty killer. And we know that that's something that the Canucks are hot and heavy on is finding guys up front that can, can kill penalties. Uh, you know, nice offensive numbers. Uh, the fact that he's kind of able to move up and down the lineup. Yeah, there's a lot to like there. But he was making 2.2 or whatever he was in Toronto this yeah, past season. 2.5, right? 2.5. Like, he's going to be – like, great. Time. I mean, timing's everything in life. You hit the yeah. open market as one of the highest sought-after free agents. Like, he's going to crush it. I just don't know that the Canucks can afford to break the bank for a 29-year-old Zach Hyman. Yeah, and I mean, I think the organization looks at it as having, like, 3 to 3.5 for the right mid-range piece at the moment. And maybe that can be increased if – you know, they're able to move off the full freight of Holby or even half of Holby or most of Holby, um, you know, depending on if they buy out an additional contract, if they're, you know, how the, whatever the Nate Schmidt deal looks like. Like, I think they sort of view themselves as having some flexibility, enough flexibility to at least inquire on guys like Hyman. And they did inquire and it was a serious inquiry. It was not just a feel, feeler, but I do think the term is going to be prohibitive, right? If, if Hyman's looking at Matt's term, seven years uh, with a team. And, and it certainly looks like there's going to be that kind of a market for his services. You know, Edmonton's long been rumored to be hot and heavy for him yeah. uh, within the industry. Uh, I don't think the Canucks are going to be a serious player in those types of contract talks. Like I just don't see how they can, I, and not just, I don't see, I don't think they see how they can commit that level of term to a guy at that age, considering all that's coming down the pipe with, you know, uh, extensions for Pedersen and Hughes, which come this summer, then Besser the next summer, then then Horvat, then Pedersen and Hughes again if they sign bridge deals, right? Like it's a conveyor belt of guys who are just going to be getting more and more expensive if you're committing that type of term to a 29 year old guy. Like it just ties your hands in so many ways. I think the organization is, you know, knows that they have to be cautious with that, uh, considering all of their, you know, their sort of uh, treadmill of expirings coming up in the years to come. Uh, I don't expect them to be huge bidders for Hyman, frankly, in the event that they're looking at five, six, seven years of term to get that deal done. Uh, but the interest is real. There's a lot of time for the player, and there's a lot of time for Jaden Schwartz, too. The club, club would love to add a player of that caliber. Yeah. Uh, but again, the thing I've been told is, like, all eyes are on the next 24 hours. Like, this is an all-hands-on-deck situation, right? The club is going to try to get a guy from an expansion crunch team, the UFAs, that type of, that type of stuff. I mean, it matters. It's not that the club's not working on it. It's just that it's not front burner uh, prominently as we enter this weekend. I, I just love the fact like there's so much going on above and below the surface and so many moving parts to all of this. And I was just looking, uh, you know, Zach Hyman is represented by Todd Reynolds, who mm -hmm. 
also has Tyler Bertuzzi as a client. So, you know, that's a name that you floated a couple pods back, right? As right. we're not sure what's going to happen in terms of, you know. People you know, didn't love that. People didn't love that when I did it. People were like, you don't know anything about the Red Wings. I had some of that in my mentions. <laughs> and then, and then, like, within a week, his name was everywhere in trade rumors. And it's like, yeah, I mean, not a huge shock, right? I, this was not one that I even had inside information on. Right. Beyond just knowing he had back surgery and knowing he needed a $3.5 million qualifying offer. And that that makes everything complicated in terms of teams looking to have conversations and exploring their options. Um, yeah, that's sort of what's come to pass. That's sure. a really nice player, right? And and that's a guy, depending on where his next contract comes in at, like that's a guy who could be more in that Blake Coleman, you know, vein, like the guy who's both the right player at the right time, as opposed to Zach Hyman, who would be a classic like Derek Dorsett, Antoine Roussel, Michael Furlan type. Where it's like you like the guy, but it's just a couple of years later than what's optimal if he's going to really help you win. And look, we're just throwing stuff on the pile a little bit here. But if you're making those phone calls on Zach Hyman and you just happen to have the agent on the phone, uh, you know, it's the hockey world. You can connect dots and who knows? Let's see where all of that goes. But I just thought that was a sort of interesting. <laughs> you're advocating for tampering. <laughs> Back I'm channel. I'm just kidding. No, I, know, I, know. Um, I love it. All right, let's get into Besser, and hopefully, this isn't a long discussion because I, I, I kind of joke that. All right, July 14th, summer has officially started, right? Because summer doesn't start in Vancouver until the Brock Besser rumors surface again. But it does sound like this is way more a case of you know the Canucks engaging in some trade discussions, framework type stuff. And the other teams asking about particular players, not the Canucks shopping a particular player. Correct. I mean, for sure, that's what's happened here. And that's um, how hockey works. Totally. Totally. It's like, um, it's like, J-Pat, that sandwich looks really good. Can I have that? Like, yeah. I mean, no. sure. I'll trade you for your beer. <laughs> like, oh, man, I don't know about that. Like, Drance shopping his beer. Like, yeah, I mean, leave my I'm sandwich not, alone. I, well, no, I'm going to because I'm not parting with my beer. It's delightful. Um, so you know, I just the, the, the fact of the matter is is that uh, Besser is not being shopped actively. This is an annual tradition, a right of spring. It's like it's not the summer until until Brock Besser's exactly. name yep. is name is floated. Also, I want to note, like you know, it's the 16th today. Like we're only three days past. When, when the Canucks returned for that summer training camp and like took turns dunking on the Sakaris report last year. So it's like, yeah. we're almost exactly 12 months or 12 <laughs> months to the day that this was last a thing. And now it's a thing again. You feel for Brock. He doesn't deserve it. But also this is not like on the Canucks, I don't think, uh, in that, you know, this is a club that's had an extraordinary, I, th I think we called it a stupendous volume of trade talks with a variety of teams over the course of the past month. And with where they're positioned, with how few premium assets they have to trade, with how little cap space they have, like, this is not a team that can afford to have a long untouchables list. You know, you can't just be like, no, hang up, click. Um, when most names are brought to the, brought to your attention on trade on a potential trade call, right? Like probably Patterson Hughes, Demko, that's probably it, right? Like it's probably it, frankly. And that's probably what it should be. Um, I just think that's what that's what's happened. Jim Benning and Ben Hankinson, who represents uh, Brock Besser, uh, have been in regular touch over the course of the past week. 
Um, I don't think there's much smoke in the water here. And, and that's not to say that the reporting that first surfaced it by Craig Cousins at The Athletic, uh, reporting that insisted on its face that uh, a Besser deal was unlikely to begin with anyway, like low probability, but it's out there. Um, you know, I, I mean, I just think there's not a lot of smoke here overall. Exhale, exhale, Canucks fans, at least until next year. Next summer, we can do it all again. <laughs> uh, yeah, as he nears uh, the end of the contract and needs the, the massive race. The 7.5 QO. You know, a year ago, I, I do think that there was some internal question about what Brock was, right? He was coming off a really disappointing season, another injury. Um, and then he answered a ton of questions. And answered a lot of no questions yeah. without Elias Pettersson for half the season. He got no. off to a great start, started on opening night, the two goals in Edmonton. And, you know, he looked like his rookie self with the shot. He was picking his spots and beating goalies clean. But, you know, last year, last summer, I can understand if internally there was some questioning, like, you know, is he on the decline already? 16 goals in 57 games. Like, that's not Brock Besser. But he bounced back in a big way. And so, you know, his market value would be higher. But... Uh, he also means a ton to the Vancouver Canucks. So I, I get if other teams come asking about a player like that. But I, my sense is that uh, the Canucks are not shopping him at all. Hey, I uh, want to ask you about... Can I, can, can I, just wanted to, I just wanted to linger on this for one second. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I want to introduce a concept, which is called the bib concept, okay? And this isn't just like what I need when I'm eating ribs. Uh, this is the Believe in Brock concept, okay? Believe in Brock. This guy's really, really good. He's going to be really, really good for a while. This is the guy you bet on. You bet on the guy with the shot that can beat set goaltenders. Like, you bet on the guy with the hockey IQ to have the type of two-way impact and drive lines the way Besser has, whether he's been playing with Godet or Horvat or with Pedersen. Like, every line he's played on his whole career has done better because he's been on it. Like, this is the guy you bet on. And the second thing is... Part of the reason that Besser's name repeatedly comes up is that he signed that bridge, right? He signed that bridge with the $7.5 million QO. He's going to be expensive to QO. And this is something that's just worth keeping in mind as the Canucks approach similar discussions with a similar probable outcome with Hughes and with Pedersen, right? Is that people look at a bridge deal as like this great team-friendly thing because you save short-term money. They ignore that... What's the purpose of a bridge? The purpose of a bridge, you don't go hang out on a bridge, J-Pat. You take the bridge from one place to another, right? And like, that's what a bridge contract is. And, you know, part of, part of a bridge is as you, as you sort of move through it, people begin to ask questions. There's often a big platform year, like a big final year valuation. There's, you know, another leverage point that comes closer to expiring. Like, does the club have to make a decision on this? How are extension talks going? Is this guy available? Happens with every RFA signed to a non-long-term deal repeatedly as their bridge deal goes on. And that's sort of what you're locking players into when you sign them to bridge deals, like period. And this is just part of the downside that you take on when you decide, especially with players of Brock's caliber, but also of Pedersen and Hughes' caliber, and when you decide to sign them shorter term. Like you, part of what you're giving up is the ability to market to your fans like, hey, do you like watching Brock Besser play hockey? Well, we've got seven years of that. You know, like, you like watching Quinn Houston and Elias Pedersen, the future of Canucks hockey? Because that future, it's here to stay. Like, you're losing that showmanship, boi boisterous selling point when you go short. There is real costs to that. And there's real costs on the player experience side of the fact that a bridge deal is always going to keep a player and their future a little bit more in the news. Because as I said, 
A bridge isn't a bridge to nowhere, j Pat. It's a bridge to the other side. I just wanted to do that spiel real quick. No, that's good. I like all that. But as a guy born and raised on the North Shore, like I look at bridges differently. And like I have sat in traffic too much over my lifetime. So I sort of. <laughs> so well, there you go. There <laughs> no, you go. No, I have trouble getting from one side to the other. I kind of raise my fist <laughs> at the whole idea of a bridge. But, but I will say this. I, 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 believe I, in, I believe in Brock. And I also like the idea of a bib uh, for ribs or anything. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply victorinox the makers of the original swiss army knife have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges mastering functionality innovation iconic design and uncompromising quality with its products the victorinox swiss army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers a screwdriver and even a corkscrew with the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, I'm acting a Q&A with Jim Benning midweek, and there was something that jumped out at me. Didn't seem to get a lot of play, but I thought it was interesting when IMAC asked him if the Canucks had toyed with the idea of bringing in another Russian to ease the transition of life in Vancouver and the National Hockey League for Vasily Podkolzin. And then Jim said, yeah, absolutely, that that's something that they were looking at. And you know what? I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Ton of like, sense. Trampkin, we know that there were some issues here with the language and his wife, and she didn't dig it all that much. Yeah. Uh, somebody tweeted to me on on Twitter. I, I cut and pasted that, that quote from Jim. Um, and somebody responded, and I thought it made a ton of sense, that in the year 2021, going on 2022, there is no, absolutely no way that an organization can fail a young prospect if it's things like a language barrier. Now, you know, we just watched Nils Hoaglander have to adapt in the most unusual circumstances. He's 20 years old. He comes over here in quarantine, can't get out in the city, can't see anybody, and just showed up and played hockey, and you hope and his, and his English is uh, unique among Swedish players because he's not Stockholm based or you're right and in one of the major towns. Like his English was not good. He's or not great. I think he understands it well, but you're right. He's a pretty soft spoken guy. When we did the zooms, there wasn't a whole lot there. Uh, and we're told that Pud Colson's been taking English and and good for him. Like that's a massive step and and investment on his part, but. I like that idea. Like, even if it's training camp fodder for the first couple of weeks, whatever the case, this isn't an organization that has had a lot of Russians lately. And I think just it would make a world of sense to yeah. try to find somebody that could just be sort of a pillow, uh, if you will, for Vasily Podkolzin to lean on, even if he doesn't need it. I just think it's a, you know, it's it's a great gesture on the part of the organization that says, look, like we're doing all we can to make sure that you hit the ground running here to start your NHL career. I mean, I agree with you. And and I think the organizations, this is another area where it seems the organization's thinking has evolved because I don't think this was seen as a significant priority a couple of months ago. Uh, I was asking around about it a few months ago and I got a pretty different sounding answer from management. So, um, you know, Pod Colson's English has improved. He's writing an awful lot in English on his Instagram. 
Like he's put a lot of work into it. This is a kid who really wants to be over in North America, really wants to try his hand at the NHL level. Credit to him. Uh, but look, Vancouver's a community without like a significant Russian diaspora, right? It's not like we have, uh, you know, in, in Florida, it was like Sunny Isles, right? It's not yeah. like we have the, you know, big, vibrant, no, not, sorry, it's vibrant. It's just not a huge Russian community in this city. I do think whatever you can do to make a guy feel comfortable uh, is well worth well worth your time. And, and you know, uh, Gonchar in Pittsburgh without getting Malkin, on and on down. Like, look at look at my, many of the great Russian players. This is like a pretty classic thing that teams have done. Um, and I think it would pay dividends. I don't see a ton of really, like, obvious options for the club to explore here other than, you know, my guy Maxime Mammon. Um, but, uh, Maxime Mammon, the Russian Mason Appleton. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I do think it would behoove the club to find some options for themselves um, in this area to, to get some Russian speakers on the team and uh, help show them the way in a lot of ways, uh, help make the adjustment as comfortable and as seamless as possible. I, I certainly think they can only pay dividends, especially when you look at, you know, how crucial Pod Colson's development, like how big a story that could be for the club, you know, in the event that he's able to come over and have a Niels Hoaglander-like impact. Uh, next season. That would be a huge, huge development for this team at this stage of their cycle. I want to take a moment here to promote an upcoming edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. We always finish up with a pod uh, promo of what's going on under the athletic umbrella. This one is uh, its a special announcement and, and really looking forward to this. And I think it's going to be an important show that people are going to want to check out. On Monday, Pierre Lebrun and Sarah Sivian have a special edition of the Athletic Hockey Show Pierre and Sarah are joined by a panel of experts as an NHL prospect drafted last summer prepares to announce on Monday that he's coming out. And again, you know, I hope we get to a point where athletes making this personal decision isn't a story, but it it still is right now and certainly in the hockey world. And so Pierre and Sarah uh, have the inspirational story on this groundbreaking brave decision coming out on Monday. And then you can tune in for the podcast later only at the athletics. So certainly something to look forward to uh, awesome. early next week. So yeah, absolutely make sure uh, that you check that out. Uh, also check out our comment section for every podcast episode that we drop. Uh, you can do that at the athletic app. We appreciate all the feedback. Rate and subscribe to the VanCast on Apple. If you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast and receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. Now, I, I say this uh, knowing that I want as many people as possible to listen to each and every episode we do with the VanCast. But Tom, I'm hoping that by the time people hear this, that just about everything we've talked about has been completely blown out of the water, that Jim goes wild on this Friday ahead of uh, the protected list. I would love it if we get all kinds of movement. So we'll see what the weekend holds. Again, roster freeze followed shortly thereafter by the protected list to the National Hockey League. And on Sunday, they're going to make those protected lists uh, available to the public. So <laughs> I'm thinking like on Twitter, there's this like genre of thirst tweet that's like ruined my life. You said like ruined my life, right? It's like ruined my podcast, like ruin this episode. Like go, go do it. Get to it. Come on, Jim. Let's make go. it Make it happen. <laughs> It would be short-term pain, but it would be long-term gain for all the content uh, that we would produce uh, over the weekend. And, you know, if there's something massive, we make the pledge about emergency pods. And sure, I mean, we're at that point in time with uh, a couple more weeks together here. So uh, we'll spare 
Uh, no expense. We'll pull out, pull out all the stops and we'll see what happens. Uh, but ultimately, uh, next week is going to be a big week again as we work closer to the expansion draft itself and then beyond that, uh, the draft next weekend. So big week ahead. Looking forward to it. Uh, have yourself a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the VanCast here at theathleticandtheathletic.com. For Drancer, it's JPAT. Have yourself a great weekend and let's see uh, what the weekend holds as far as the Vancouver Canucks are concerned. And can I get that sandwich for a second round pick, Jay Only if you give me a bib. <laughs>